everyone, and welcome to the 90 and Extra Time podcast. This is Rob. I hope everybody had a, uh, a great weekend. Um, unfortunately, the, uh, the top leagues are uh, on the, inter- well, every league, I guess, is on the international break. Um, so, unfortunately, we were stuck with uh, national team level football this weekend. Um, I know, you know, different people have different feelings about that. I guess I'm a little impartial, I guess. I don't really dislike it too much, but uh, I can definitely see how there are people that uh, that don't like it as much. You know, you the season just started, um, and now it just seems like, you know, the international break is here. It's going to slow teams down. And then we have another one next month, and I'm pretty sure there's another one in November. It's It's pretty wild. But regardless, I hope everybody had a great weekend. A nice football-filled weekend. I'm going to change things up a little bit uh, this week. I'm going to start with, you know, something I usually end the show with. Um, It's not Stuttgart news because they're not playing. (laughs) But I'm going to start with transfers. All right, so everybody knows for the last two seasons of the Premier League, they've changed up when their transfer window closes. It's not in line with the rest of Europe. And now it just seems like they're going to go back to the date that all the other leagues in Europe have been using. I guess they thought that by them switching, it would, you know, cause the other team or excuse me, other countries and leagues to switch, but, uh, no one else went with it. Um, obviously it's better when all the leagues are on the same schedule. Um, I do understand why they did it. You know, you don't want players switching teams. They play two games here for a team and then they get bought by another team and it just can throw off team chemistry. So they want, you know, when the season starts, they want that those players to be on that team. I can totally understand that. However, I think that the all the teams in Europe, or excuse me, I keep saying teams, all of the, the leagues in Europe need to get in line. And you can't have, you know, different leagues starting at different times. Everybody should just decide. The transfer window opens July 1st, and then you close it, I don't know, August 15th maybe. I mean, I think that's probably the the best way to do it. Um, the only thing that, that would mess it up is that you have leagues that do start their season at different times. Um, but there's got to be some type of solution to it. But we'll see what happens when, uh, you know, the, the Premier League decides to um, to vote on it, to decide whether or not they're going to go back or not. I'm pretty sure they're going to, though. Um, next up, the Neymar saga is over, at least for now. Um, I guess there's a possibility that, you know, he may move on um, in the winter or this whole thing may start up again next summer, but we'll see. But as for right now, Neymar is in Paris. He'll be staying in Paris um, at least for the next few months. Um, He played for Brazil last week. He did pretty good. I mean, I guess not playing football is is good for him. You know, he, he showed up. Um, he missed the Copa America, so it's his first time playing with Brazil in a while, but he actually did pretty good. So we'll see if the, how that translates when he goes and is playing for Paris again. But, um, you know, Paris, they picked up a Cardi from Inter Milan. You know, he was causing issues in Inter, him and his, you know, his wife, which I don't really understand how his wife is even getting involved in, you know, team stuff. I guess she's you know, she's a media personality there in Italy, but uh, they picked him up, you know, because they've had some 
some pretty significant injuries to Mbappe and Cavani. So, you know, he's more of a uh, like a backstop until they get healthy. But then what happens when you have a healthy Cavani, Mbappe, Neymar, and Icardi? What are you going to do? I mean, somebody's somebody's going to be coming off the bench or, or not playing at all. So I guess we'll see. Um, staying with PSG, they did a goalkeeper swap with Real Madrid. So they sent uh, Alfonso Ariola to Real Madrid in exchange for Keylor Navas. Um, you know, they haven't played games with these teams. I mean, I think both are great, great goalkeepers. Uh, I guess we'll just see um, how they go with their new teams once uh, the international break is over. So, I don't know. Be interested to see. Uh, th- those were, um, that swap was kind of weird. I wasn't expecting to see that. Um, I don't know, especially Paris getting rid of uh, Ariola. I just didn't see that happening at all. Um, okay, but now that this whole thing with Neymar is over, I was thinking about how this is going to affect Barcelona. Um, you know, they seemed like they wanted him pretty bad. They were, you know, trying every possible combination of cash and players to bring him back. And what is that going to do to the players that they offered? I mean, Coutinho's gone now, but you know, there are other players that they offered up and now they're not leaving. They're staying in Barcelona. So how's that going to affect the, the changing room? How's that going to affect their, you know, how they feel towards the team? How the other players that were not offered up are going to feel towards these people that were potentially, you know, sacrificial lambs for Neymar to come back. Uh, You know, Messi is still out. Um, They're not playing well at all right now. Um, We'll see. Hopefully, maybe they'll they'll bounce back after the the international break. But uh, I don't know. It seems like the whole Neymar thing, not only did it disrupt PSG, but also potentially disrupted the chemistry of the Barcelona team. I mean, we'll see. I can say this with confidence, though. I am definitely, definitely glad that the transfer window and all this, these rumors and this drama, I'm so glad that it's over. Okay, so last week, uh, FIFA released its shortlist, even though it's not a shortlist, I think there's 55 names on here, of uh, potentials for the FIFA World 11. Um, I'm going to go through this position by position. Um, Alright, first we have, for the goalkeepers, we have uh, Allison from Liverpool, uh, David De Gea from Manchester United, Ederson from Manchester City, Jan Oblak from Atletico Madrid, and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen for Barcelona. It's a pretty solid group. I can't think of anybody that got like left out of that group. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, maybe one or two, but there's only five five positions on this short list. All right, so next we'll go into the defenders. As usual, if I mess up any of these names, I'm sorry. You guys can let me know how to say them correctly. Um, defenders. We got uh, Jordi Alba from Barcelona. Alexander Arnold from Liverpool, Danny Alves from PSG slash Sao Paulo, uh, Jao Consuelo from Juventus slash Manchester City, uh, Daniel Caballal from Real Madrid, uh, Chiellini 
from Juventus, Virgil van Dijk, Liverpool, Diego Godin from Atletico Madrid slash Inter Milan, Joshua Kimmich from Bayern Munich, uh, Laporte from Manchester City, Delict from Ajax slash Juventus, PK from Barcelona, Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid, Andrew Robertson, Liverpool, Alexandro from Juventus, Thiago Silva from PSG, Rafael Varane from Real Madrid, Marcelo also from Real Madrid, Kyle Walker from Man City, and Kalibali from Naples, Napoli. All right, midfielders. We got Sergio Busquets from Barcelona, Casemiro from Real Madrid, Kevin De Bruyne from Manchester City, Christian Eriksen, Tottenham Hotspur, Frankie de Jong from Ajax slash Barcelona, Eden Hazard from Chelsea slash Real Madrid, Conte from Chelsea, Tony Kroos from Real Madrid, Artemelo from Barcelona, Luka Madrid from Real Madrid, Paul Pogba from Manchester United, Ivan Rakitic from Barcelona, Bernardo Silva, Man City, Tadic from Ajax, and Arturo Vidal from Barcelona. And for the forwards, Sergio Aguero, Manchester City, Karim Benzema, Real Madrid, Firmino, Liverpool, Antoine Griezmann from Atletico Madrid slash Barcelona, Harry Kane, Tottenham Hotspur, Robert Lewandowski, Bayern Munich, Sadio Mane, Liverpool, Kylian Mbappe, Paris Saint-Germain, Lionel Messi, Barcelona, Neymar, Paris Saint-Germain, Cristiano Ronaldo, Juventus, Mohamed Salah, Liverpool, Son from Tottenham Hotspur, Sterling from Manchester City, and Luis Suarez from Barcelona. So when I looked at this list, I mean, I you know I can't really think of anybody that, like off the top of my head, that uh, got overlooked. I'm sure there you know there definitely are some, but you know there's limited spaces for you know the short list. Even though, like I mentioned, this list is not short. Uh, but the one thing that I noticed about this list, and Danny Alves is the only exception now. Every single person on this list plays for a team in Europe except for Danny Alves who plays for Sao Paulo now but he's also the oldest person on the list and after you know the season he had um, or not the season but the competition in uh, the Copa America it's hard to keep him off this list Um, he's had a good year but I find it so hard to believe that there are no players playing their club football outside of Europe that are not on this list I mean to me, it just seems it just seems amazing. Like I said, with the exception of Danny Alves, but he he just made that move to Sao Paulo, and you know he's what thirty six years old. Um, I I just find that hard to believe that on this short list there's no players from outside of uh, the start of the year, if I should say, outside of Europe. But it's a good list. It's a fair list. We'll see. You know how the final eleven looks. I mean. I'm sure it'll be pretty decent. I'm sure there's going to be some snubs, some people that are not happy with who got selected. Um, but all in all, I would say it's a uh, it's a pretty good list.
take a look at qualifying for Euro 2020. Uh, last week I mentioned, you know, all the games that were upcoming. They're playing two match days during the international break. So I'll just go over the results. And then, you know, there's games that are coming up today, tomorrow. Um, so for match day five in Group A, we had Kosovo uh, hosting the Czech Republic. And to my surprise, Kosovo won that game two to one, which, I mean, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but uh, I'm, I'm surprised that, that Kosovo was able to, uh, to beat the Czech Republic. Um, also on match day five in Group A, we had uh, England hosting Bulgaria. I mean, there was never any doubt that uh, that England was going to win this game. Uh, they won four to zero. So um, they have match day six, uh, which will be tomorrow on September tenth. Uh, you got Montenegro hosting the Czech Republic and England hosting Kosovo. And I'm probably going to watch that that England Kosovo game. I'm sure it'll be uh, be worth seeing. So right now in Group A, um, England sitting on top, nine points in three games. Kosovo is in second with eight points off of four games and Czech Republic's in third and six points from four matches. All right, group B. Um, so we had Lithuania hosting the Ukraine. Uh, Lithuania zero, Ukraine three. I mean, I think that's a, a result that everyone expected. Uh, also for match day five in group B, we had Serbia two, Portugal four. Portugal, they're the defending champions from Euro 2016. Um, I mean, they were struggling, it seemed, a little bit before this before this match. Um, they had two points in two matches, uh, but now um, they're sitting second, five points in three matches, and uh, first place you have the Ukraine, who has 13 points out of five matches in that group. That's, that's surprising. Um, Match day six, they'll play tomorrow. We got uh, Luxembourg hosting Serbia and Lithuania hosting Portugal. All right, Group C. Um, match day five, we had Estonia hosting Belarus. The final score was Estonia one, Belarus two. Um, and then we have the game that I watched and was definitely disappointed with the result and the play, but... Uh, we had Germany hosting the Netherlands in Hamburg, and it was Germany 2, the Netherlands 4. Now, this is like the third time I think they've played each other in the last year. Um, it, was a, it was a good game. I mean, the start was, was really good. Uh, I think the only like weak spots that Germany had, um, it, it did seem like, I don't really want to compare it to that, but there were times when it seemed like there was too many players bunching around the ball, almost like, you know, when you have like youth football and, you know, it's like under eights and all the kids want to go after the ball. It seemed like there was some of that going on, especially in the, the end of the first half. Um, but the two weak spots that I thought certainly for Germany was Manuel Neuer. I'm not sure why Ter Stegen was not starting. Um, Neuer's just not what he, what he used to be. I mean, I think a lot of people are, he's, he's, you know, north of 30, but I think a lot of people are just holding on to the Neuer that he used to be. And he's not 2014 World Cup Neuer. You know, he's not the Bayern Munich goalie that he was, you know, four, five, six years ago. Um, and then also, I mean, he only, it was only his seventh game for Germany, his seventh cap, but Ta, 
the center back for Leverkusen, man, he had an own goal. And then he had, I don't know if he thought that he was trying to block a shot, but it looked like he had like a flop to try to block a shot uh, where I want to say it was uh, Frankie de Jong scored. Um, he just, he just did not play well. I mean, I, I don't know the own goal, you know, stuff like that happens, but that other thing, you, you guys have to watch it. Look at the, uh, the footage of it. it. It was just, it was embarrassing to me to see, um, you know, maybe comparing him to, you know, Virgil van Dijk, who was also in the same game. I don't know, but, uh, he just did not perform well. I mean, he had two, in, in my personal opinion, two instances that, that led to goals. I mean, obviously the own goal, but, uh, that second thing, I, I can't even explain what that was. He's, he's still young. He's only 23 years old. Only his second or seventh cap for Germany, so you know he has a ways to go. But uh, and I'm sure he can be a great player. But I don't know. I hate to say it, but maybe they got rid of Boateng a little bit sooner than they should have. Maybe they should have held on to him. Uh, you know, to have him back there. I don't know. Um, let's see. Match day six for Group C. Um, tonight, actually, we have Northern Ireland hosting Germany in Belfast. I'll definitely be watching that game. And then we have Estonia versus the Netherlands. Um, I'll probably just get the updates on my phone on that one. Maybe look at some of the highlights. Um, so right now in Group C, we have Northern Ireland sitting on top. Um, they have not lost. They have 12 points in four matches. And then Germany's in second with uh, nine points off of four matches. And the Netherlands, they have uh, six points off of three matches. So... All right, Group D. Uh, the Republic of Ireland won. Switzerland won, um, which is surprising. I definitely thought that Switzerland would, would win that game. I understand it, you know, they were playing in Dublin, but I definitely had picked Switzerland to win that game. Um, and the, the other match for Match Day 5 uh, in Group D was Gibraltar 0, Denmark 6. Um, can't really say anything about that. I mean, Gibraltar... I don't even know if they have uh, full-time players on their team. I think some of the guys are like semi-professional, but uh, I mean, it is what it is. Um, let's see. For match day six, uh, we had it was yesterday uh, Switzerland four, Gibraltar zero. I mean, that's an expected result. And then Georgia zero, Denmark zero, which is surprising because I definitely thought that Denmark would uh, would win that game. But, uh, yeah, so Group D, they're done for the international break. Um, maybe these teams might have some friendlies between now and then, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. But uh, Group D, sitting on top, 11 points in five matches is the Republic of Ireland. And second, we have Denmark, nine points in five matches. And in third, with eight points in four matches, is Switzerland. All right, Group E. So for match day five, Wales two, Azerbaijan one, and then Slovakia zero, Croatia four, which I think I expected Croatia to win that. Um, for match day six, which will be tonight, uh, you have Azerbaijan hosting Croatia. I think Croatia should win that, no issues. And then a game that's pretty hard to call, I guess, uh, Hungary hosting Slovakia. So I guess we'll see. I guess that game can go either way. Um, right now, Group E standings, we have uh, in first place, nine points in four matches is Hungary. 
And in second place, also nine points in four matches, is Croatia. And then in third, six points in four matches, is Wales. All right, Group F. Match day five. Uh, Romania won, Spain two. Spain had some issues in this game. And I mean, I think they just barely won this game. They just barely got out of there with three points. Uh, I don't know what it was that uh, Romania was doing, but it seemed like... I don't know. Spain was frustrated by them. They just they couldn't uh, they couldn't get it going. I only saw the highlights from this, but uh, I don't know. You would think that Spain would put up you know a couple more goals against Romania. Um, we also had Norway two, Malta zero, and then the Faroe Islands zero, Sweden four. I mean those last two are expected. Um, match day six happened yesterday. Um, Romania 1, Malta 0. Again, I would have thought that Romania would score some more goals against Malta. Not not to you know, say anything bad about the smaller teams, but you just don't expect them to uh, you know, be able to hold much against the, some of the bigger teams in Europe. Um, next, we had Sweden 1, Norway 1. And then Spain 4, Faroe Islands 0. So they're done for the international break. Uh, group F in first place, undefeated, 18 points in six matches. We have Spain. Second place, 11 points in six matches. We have Sweden. And then in third, with 10 points in six matches, is Romania. All right, Group G, match day five. So it Israel one, North Macedonia one, Slovenia two, Poland zero, which is surprising to me because I definitely thought that Poland would have at least scored a goal definitely think they were going to lose this one um, and then last from match day 5 we had Austria 6 Latvia 0 um, match day 6 is tonight so we have Slovenia hosting Israel, Poland hosting Austria which should be a pretty decent game and then Latvia hosting North Macedonia so right now group G um, sitting on top of the table uh Poland in first place, they have 12 points in five matches. Austria in second with nine points in five matches. And then Slovenia, eight points in five matches in third place. All right, Group H, match day five. We had Iceland, three. Moldova, zero. Uh, Turkey, one. Andorra, zero. I definitely thought that Turkey would put up a few more goals against Andorra. Um, and then France, four, Albania, one. This was a game they had some issues with the national anthem being played. And then there were some other mistakes with identifying the, the team as, I think it was Armenia. Um, I don't know. There was just, just some issues. You know, that stuff happens. We've seen in the past where teams have played the wrong national anthem. I don't think it's anything intentional, but, you know, the fans can get a little rowdy. All right, so match day six, which they'll play uh, tomorrow. We have Moldova hosting Turkey, France hosting Andorra, and then Albania hosting Iceland. And the standings, group H, we have in first place uh, 12 points in five matches is France. Um, in second place, also with 12 points in five matches is Turkey. And in third place, also with 12 points in five matches is Iceland. So that's going to be a tough group I guess we'll see I'm expecting France to win it though alright group I 
um, match day five. Cyprus won, Kazakhstan won, Scotland won, Russia two, San Marino zero, Belgium four. I think all those games went the way that you would expect them to. Um, they have their match day six matches tonight. It'll be Scotland hosting Belgium, San Marino hosting Cyprus, and then Russia hosting Kazakhstan. And as the table sits right now, we have Belgium who have not lost. They have 15 points on five matches. Russia in second with 12 points in five matches. And then Kazakhstan in third, seven points in five matches. All right. And the last group, we got group J. Uh, so match day five, we had Armenia one, Italy three. And I watched a pretty decent part of this game. It was 1-1, and Armenia was down to 10 men. But Italy seemed to be struggling with them. And then I got up to go to the bathroom or get something to drink, and I came back, and it was it was 3-1. So, you know, obviously they figured out whatever their issues were, but Armenia was definitely, um, you know, holding their own and maybe confusing Italy a little bit. Um, then we had Finland 1, Greece 0. And Bosnia and Herzegovina, 5. Liechtenstein 0. I guess all those games ended the way you would think. I mean, you know, Greece, they're, they're kind of weird sometimes. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Um, match day 6, they had yesterday. It was Armenia 4, Bosnia and Herzegovina 2. Uh, Greece 1, Liechtenstein 1. Never would have saw that. And then Finland 1, Italy 2. All right, so... Uh, the standings for Group J, we got Italy in first place. They have not lost 18 points in six matches. Finland in second, uh, they have 12 points in six matches. And then, surprisingly, Armenia in third place, nine points in six matches. So, not too bad. Next match days, next two will be next month um, in October. Um, they're having two friendlies during this international break. I mentioned that last week, uh, but they played one of them. They played against uh, Mexico. The game was in New Jersey, and Mexico won that easily, three to zero. I don't know what that says about the U.S. men's team. It seemed like they were experimenting a little, um, but you know, Mexico is always a tough opponent. You know, you can try new things against Mexico, but you know, they're always going to be a formidable team. Um, they're always going to give the U.S. problems. I mean, they always do. Uh, it's our biggest rival as well. So um, the U.S. has a game tomorrow. We'll be in St. Louis uh, playing against Uruguay. Um, the problem living here in Germany is that these games start at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. So I usually never get to see them. Um, I usually just watch the uh, the replays or the highlights, you know, depending. Uh, but I am interested to see that game against Uruguay. Um See if they come. If the U.S. comes out with the same team or not. Um, luckily, it's only friendlies. We're not doing any uh, qualifying yet. Um, whenever the international break comes up, you know, especially over the last few years, the first thing that I start thinking about automatically is the World Cup in 2022 and how it is going to absolutely disrupt all of the, the leagues here in Europe. Now, the MLS, and I'm sure the Mexican League, not too big of a deal. 
um, you know, because they, 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 their schedules are a little bit off, especially the, the MLS, because their season ends, um, I think it's early November or late October, uh, so it won't be an issue. But the 2022 World Cup starts November 21st, and I believe it goes to December 18th. So for, like, you know, the big leagues in Europe, all of them, I mean, it's going to completely throw everything off. Um, I haven't seen anything about how, you know, like the Bundesliga or the Premier League, especially how they're planning on making adjustments or changes, um, you know, because usually the World Cup's during the summer, so most of the teams are off or, you know, the second level, second division teams, they're in training, so it's not that big of a deal. And I'm wondering, are the, the second level teams or second level, level leagues in Europe, are they going to continue to play during the World Cup? Or are, is, you know, these associations are going to completely like freeze their operations just for, I don't know, to focus on the World Cup. But then obviously not every country is going to make it to the World Cup. So I don't know. Um, this whole winter World Cup thing, which I'm still a little upset about because, you know, the U.S. lost somehow to Qatar for the 2022 World Cup. I'm not salty about that because, you know, we got the 2026. but. Um, I just think that it's it's going to mess everything up. It's throwing everything off completely. And for what? I don't know. To play the biggest game in one of the smallest countries in the world? While I do think that everybody should be entitled to host a World Cup, they did bid for a Summer World Cup. They did not bid for a Winter World Cup. Um, I'm sure they're going to put on an amazing World Cup. I mean, I'm sure that it's going to be great regardless because it has to be. It can't be anything less than spectacular and perfect because there's so many doubters like myself that they have to prove wrong that they have to put on an amazing an absolutely amazing world cup so i am excited to see it um obviously i probably will not be going i'm pretty sure i won't be going uh but it it should be it should be spectacular Um, but it's gonna it's gonna mess all the leagues up for at least i would say at least two years some of them maybe three while they try to, to get back on track. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do here in Germany. I mean, here in Germany, it's not really that big of a deal because they have a winter break. So, you know, usually it starts right around December 20th or 21st, and then they don't play until, you know, the end of January. But how are they going to plan around that? You know, in the Premier League, they don't do that. There is no winter break, and we all know how hectic it gets around Christmas and New Year's for that league. I don't know. I'm just interested to see how they're going to do it. Um, if you guys have any feedback, what you think is going to happen, how the leagues are going to uh, make those adjustments or what they should do, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for 90 and Extra Time. And as always, you can email me. 90 and extra time at gmail.com. Uh, that does it for this week's episode. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. Um, I cannot wait for the international break to be over. So, next week's episode will be a little bit better because we'll be talking about club level stuff. Um, so, yeah, so you guys have a great week and uh, enjoy some football. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, bye.